Lenny Lou and the Bird Dogs playing us in. We're the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. Alright guys. Uh, how'd we do last week? Well, we didn't lose. Hey, defense looked good. <laughs> it's my favorite joke about a lives. <laughs> it's like the uh, only one. Every meeting I was in last week almost, you know, because it's like, it's like filler talk, like the Grizz are struggling. It's like, can't lose in the bye. Alright. Well, we're there. Yeah. So, uh, while you guys are thinking about podcasts, uh, Montana Mint Sports Podcast is hosted by Hot Take Nate and Bear Tycoon. You can find it in the same stream as ours. So, check that out if you're interested in Big Sky Conference football and maybe some more Bobcat-oriented sports talk. I imagine if you're listening to this, you don't give two shits about the Bobcats. We don't. We don't. Bear Tycoon talks about the, uh, the Grizz. So... You know, there is some Grizz talk in there, but this is the better Grizz talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into our upcoming opponent, UC Davis. Absolutely. No game to break down this week. So UC Davis, yeah, number yeah. one in conference. Brent. UC Davis Aggies, they are uh, undef- the last undefeated team in the conference. Coming to Washington Grizzly, and uh, this is, uh, you know, playoff lives are on the line here most likely for the Grizz. It seems a little silly right now after two kind of tough losses to be still talking playoffs, but if this is where we want to be, it's got to start with beating the number one team in the conference. And we haven't played Davis for a couple years now, but uh, this is not the UC Davis we're used to seeing that – is is a slow and uh, not a very high powered or dynamic offense. These guys are uh, have some of the best collection of firepower and skill. Some might even say better than Eastern Washington. Last year, their quarterback Jake Meyer was arguably the best quarterback in the league. He had the most passing yards. He had the highest quarterback efficiency. Um, threw for a boatload of touchdowns, and he's. He's back. Yeah, and this year he's not. He's. It's not like in the argument. He probably is the best player in the conference. So he right now leads the Big Sky. He averages three hundred and ten passing yards per game. He's got twenty one touchdowns and just three picks. Jeez. He's very efficient. I think uh, he was. I, I believe didn't he win newcomer of the year last year in the he conference? Did. Yeah, yep, that's right. So he's a sophomore this year. He's not really a running threat or anything. But uh, so the other kind of wild thing is. Davis has a great offensive line, too. So not only do they have an excellent quarterback that is one of the most efficient QBs, they, outside of Cal Poly, have given up the fewest amount of sacks. Cal Poly doesn't give up sacks because the quarterback's a goddamn running back, you know? That's a stat that jumped off the page to me when researching Davis, is we've had some problems getting heat, at least with the front four, right? Mm -hmm. When When we threw in some strange blitz packages... We have some sacks, but front four pressure, we sometimes struggle with that. And it seems like we're going to have to bring some, some extra heat, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a balance because, you know, if everything Brent Luke just described isn't enough, I mean, they've got a legit NFL prospect wide receiver, Doss. Yeah, so Keelan Doss, uh, senior, uh, was the preseason MVP. Uh, so Buss was the defensive MVP. Doss was offensive. Right now, if you pull him up on most draft scout boards, he's in the top 20 conversation of wide receivers projected for the NFL draft. What do you think? Better than Cooper Cup? No. No. No? No. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I haven't, but I haven't, so I've, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen Doss play against the Grizz because 
I don't think he has. No, or if he has, has. So we saw Cooper Cup kick our ass every single year. Too often. So. Yeah, you fucking sometimes throw a touchdown too. Sometimes twice a year. So but I think he's in that conversation though of like people who will contribute in the NFL. So and this is the crazy thing. So Doss this year, like last year, I I, I didn't pull up his stats last year. Maybe you guys have it, but. This year, he's got 600 receiving yards and four touchdowns. But what it has allowed is Davis's offense is much more dynamic. Last year, yep. it was just throw the ball to Doss. Yep. Doss, 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 Doss. This year, they've got a second receiver. His name's Harrell. And they've got this freshman running, freshman back. running back who's on the Jerry Rice list. The guy's got I he's he's averaging like eighty five rush yards per game. He's averaging forty receiving yards per game. He's got like a combination of twelve scored touchdowns. He actually has the most amount of scored touchdowns of any big sky player right now. So th- this team is loaded with talent on offense, and it's got a good line as well too. If you uh, not not be any surprise here, but. They lead the conference in scoring in conference games. They've scored 189 points in four conference games. Could that even be right? They're 4-0 in conference, points fair at 189. Yeah, yeah. Well, to piggyback on some of the weapons they have, they also have a tight end, Wes Priest, who was third-team all-conference last year, caught nine touchdowns. He's back. They have just a buffet of weapons that is going to be hard for any one team to shut down. Uh, complicating that, I think, is connecting this to where we started. The ability of UC Davis to pass protect. To get heat on Jake Meyer, their quarterback, you have to bring pressure. But with a quarterback that good and that many weapons, you're going to have to win a lot of one-on-one matchups. That looks like it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Who Who is going to defend all these weapons? Where, where's our matchups? Who's on... Dots, or do we double him all? They're going to have to double him. So, right? I mean, they're so, going to have to. Well, this is the thing. This is like the stats. So if you double Doss, Harrell's, I mean, so Harrell's got 500 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, what you're going to have is Calhoun and Nash and a little bit of Cowens are going to have to man him up a little bit and probably have safety help over the top. But you can't, I mean, if you do it, the other guy's going to beat you. Both are tall guys, 6'3 and 6'2". Neither really show they've got like like this like some of the Sac State receivers we saw like the big burst catch and run type. That's not what these guys are. But um, man, I, I don't know. It's, and then you've got to watch this running back Alonzo Gilliam, freshman, um, five eight, one seventy. I mean, little dude. But I, so that's going to be the thing. Is this is this is going to be a very very challenging game. Do you think that with an extra week to prepare, this is going to help us by what percentage? 17.5%. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) I think what I will say is having two weeks to prepare, coming off those two losses, is the only reason we would have any chance of coming out with a win in my mind. If they didn't have two weeks to prepare coming out of those two losses, in my mind it's, it's, it's too tall of a task. I mean, the def- I mean, I'm scared to death defensively. I mean, Calhoun and Nash, you know, showing flashes, but they need to. They're they're gonna have to grow up and look for the ball on these ones because they're gonna get picked on. They're gonna get picked on all day. Yeah, and especially presumably down the sidelines, yeah. uh, where where it's gonna be tougher for the safety help. And yeah, so I, Davis does not particularly run the ball that much. 
uh, at least statistically. Uh, when you've got these type of weapons in the pass game, that, that's where their, their bread and butter is. So I think my guess is we're probably going to have to take a little bit more risk emptying out the box a little bit, maybe only having six guys in the box and a little bit, little bit extra help in the, in the flats and in the pass game because they're going to be they're going to pick on these corners. You know the old Mike D'Antoni maxim is that sometimes your best defense is a good offense. Yep. How does UC Davis UC Davis's defense how will they fare against our offense? Well, so this is the interesting thing. When you look at their stats, they're kind of all across the board. So, their pass defense is the third worst in the conference. They allow 275 passing per game which normally for a lot of teams this would spell like a great opportunity. But as we've seen, Dalton Sneed and the Grizzly pass offense in the last couple weeks have not fared too well. So that is something, it seems like that's where we're going to be able to make our gains. So the pass game needs to be on point. Their run defense is second best in the conference, but, but the trick is you know, they're giving up 153 per game. So how much of that is their run defense is good versus their pass defense is bad? So people just attack them through the air. Points scored per game is third best, though. So it's like they've got a bad pass defense, but they lock it down in the red zone. The two best red zone defenses in the conference are Davis and Montana. I was kind of considering the... That jumped out at me, too. Yeah. yeah. The asymmetry between their run and pass defense might have been a function of teams are playing from behind a lot when they play UC Davis, and so they have to air it out. Uh, versus, you know, chew out some clock, chew out some yards on the on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at a handful of their games. They there's a few that they just got big leads and just ran away with it. But they've had a handful of really weird games. They had a crazy shootout with Idaho State. Idaho State was up twenty three to seven in that at the half, I believe. And then Davis roars back. Idaho State puts 14 more points on the board, but then the Davis ties it late, wins it in OT. Uh, San Diego was beating them 21-20 in the, in the third quarter of the opening game, and then Davis scored 35 unanswered. <laughs> you know, so it's like, but then you get schools like Idaho, who I watched that Idaho uh, Bobcat game, and Idaho's pass game is non-existent. They threw for 300 yards on Davis. Now, they were behind the whole damn game, so who knows? So, and then, of course, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Northern Colorado had that crazy, what was it, 26-point... Backdoor cover, right? Yeah, backdoor cover over the stretch of, like, four minutes of clock play in the fourth quarter. But so, like, Northern Colorado almost passed for 400 yards on them. So these teams are airing it out, but a lot of it is the virtue of you're down, so you got to keep up. A couple other things, I mean... UC Davis is second in the league in sacks, which is, yeah. I mean, I, you might have mentioned that. I, even in ways their defense isn't good, it's like, you know, couple that with our own line, and it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. I kind of thought in the, the similar function was you're playing from behind, you get to dial up the blitz pressure, you know they're passing. Maybe they have more opportunities, but that said, I mean, it, if we get down, if we continue to make early mistakes and get down... I don't care what FCS defense we're faced. If they can pin their ears back, we're in trouble. 100%. We, I, the offense can't start slow because if UC Davis starts slow, we need every one of those possessions to build a lead to have any chance. 
And yeah, I mean the game can play in a million ways, and it's it's tough to go undefeated in the in the Big Sky, and it's a home game for us. I mean, you could see how there's maybe some opportunities for an upset, but the Grizz have to get some things righted. And you know, you talk about some of the stats you put out there, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with our offense this week. You know, I mean, we talked last week about the QBs, and I think that we all none of us have probably changed our take on that. I really do think that a QB change would be a good thing at this moment in time, but realistically, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I think that we may see a little bit more QB rotation, but um, at the end of the day, we need to score points, and I really don't care who it is, but we need to score points. Yeah, we need to, and you talk about taking a big lead. I mean, that's what Idaho State did, and it, it didn't matter. Like, so the thing with Davis is you got to keep going over the whole game, which is tough to do. So ball control. It's not going to work. I don't think it's going to work much. You, you just got to score a lot of points. I mean, if they're scoring 42.4 <laughs> points per game, so the Grizz need to put up 45 points to be in this, 40-plus. Which we have the playmakers to do that. Absolutely. I mean, if you went out and said, could they score? Yeah, but it's like they got to right the ship. Yep. You know, which goes back to whole, all my opinions from last week with that we don't need to rehash, but we need to push the ball downfield. Like, dink and dunk? Even going to work. No. And we need to push the ball downfield. And either Snead's got to show he can do it or they're going to make a change. Um, interesting, how it got asked last week about is Snead still the guy? And he said, yeah, no changes there. Sneed was one of the player invites to the press conference today. I almost, and this is Mike, the conspiracy theorist, but I almost think that we are getting almost laid on a little too thick by Bobby. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're laughing because Bobby's M.O., you know, it's like he's going out of his way to be like, Sneed's our guy. So one of two things, either... There is without a doubt, no question, no matter what, Steve's a guy. It could be. Yeah. Or he doesn't want the other team thinking <laughs> there's even a chance that Humphrey might play. Or Sneed's out for the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do the other teams even pay attention to this stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that they pay attention a ton, but I guarantee you that there's some assistant <laughs> coach who watched the press conference. I mean, that would be crazy not to do the week of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, and uh, yeah, the dink and dunk, the slowdown without points. Again, I keep bringing back the ISU game, but it's like that outside of the loss to Stanford, the only thing we've got to go off of a game where Davis was in a fight all the way was Idaho State. And what Idaho State stopped doing in the second half was scoring. They get first downs, they'd, they'd chew up. They, they had 34 minutes of clock time. UC Davis, I don't know what their season stat is, but in a lot of the games I pulled up, they held the ball for 25 to 27 minutes. The other team had the ball much more than them. Mm-hmm. And ISU in the second half would, they'd have these drives. It'd be six, seven, eight plays. They'd go 20, 30 yards, and they'd punt. And then Davis would score a field goal or a touchdown. And Idaho State would do the same thing. And then all of a sudden, the game's tied. Then you're losing. And it's and then you're losing overtime. So it's it's get points all the time. And that's the other thing that scares me. I don't know if the Grizz can do this. We saw them do this to Northern Iowa. But if they could get a lead, I mean, Bobby's MO is to not keep not to keep scoring. And so no. we're going to fall right <laughs> into that trap of like, let's say it's the mid-third quarter and we're up 
35 to 14. It's going to be like, all right, hand it off three times and punt. And the next thing we know is 35-35 in the middle of the fourth quarter. Someone's going to chloroform Bobby if we have the lead in the second half. <laughs> I mean, and I think it's tough because these coaches are smart, right? Like, they should know. They should know what they got to do. It's just there's so many scenarios that you play out in your head that makes this just look like a nightmare of a matchup, especially where we are in the, at this point in the season with the amount of question marks we have. And just how how this game's being approached. I mean, I'm glad they had the bye week. I'm really glad they had the bye week. Get a little healthy and just get their minds right and get focused for it. Because there's a lot at stake in this game. Oh, 100%. So four games left in the season. One of the things we talked about a little bit last week was the new redshirt rule. And do you start using guys or not or things like that or selectively? You know, we talked about it on the pod on last Monday and then our pod came out Thursday the Frank Agola wrote, wrote an article last week that kind of talked about the same same thing, and he kind of broke it down because you can play four games and still red shirt. So Jeremy Calhoun could play two more games and still red shirt. Um, Sean Anderson was an offensive tackle who I didn't realize it played this year. He did. That's what it, that's what it says. So I wonder if that's a mistake on the uh, playlist. <laughs> um, Danny Burton, sophomore wide receiver, and Cole Sane, freshman's offensive lineman, can each play three games. Then there's a whole bunch of guys that could play all four. And, I mean, we don't have to go into all of them, but, I mean, um, Nash Fausch, uh, you know, he was a three-star recruit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, safety, a uh, couple of linemen, you know, Lorenzo Brown's a DN. You know, some of these guys probably have injuries and things like that. But it's like if you had a guy like – take the Solcer effect, right? Yeah. Like if ever there was a game where you were like, this guy could give us something for one game, get him some experience, doesn't burn his red shirt – and then you keep going back for the rest of the year, this big game would do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't hold anything back now. No, which is why, I mean, like, I, it's like, and, and, you know, realistically, what message does it send to your team? It's like, hey, we're going to replace you for one game with a freshman, and then you're going to start some more. But it's like, if we're struggling to pass protect after the first series or two, play Cole Saint. Or Sean Anderson. Yeah. I mean, I'll just be curious to see if we see that at all. Because why... It, you know, you talk about, like, you, you dance with the, the person you brought and all those nonsense things, but it's like, this is a new rule. <laughs> uh, Mike, did you not dance with the girl you did? <laughs> well, this is a good time to point out that Stacy only listens to the pod when she's mentioned, so I'm still dancing with Stacey. Um, but on the flip side of that, it's like, you know, you, you use everything at your disposal to win. And... If you look at this game, like this is probably the toughest of the four games on the schedule. Absolutely. We could easily lose all four games. So I'm not pretending that the other ones are easy or anything like that. But boy, if you come out, you upset the number, what are they, six? Yeah. The number six team in the country. Big Sky teams are four, five, and six. Weber, Eastern, UC Davis, I think. Correct, yeah. Um, They're not four, five. Are they six, seven, eight? Maybe six, seven, eight. Uh, but either way, right they're up in the top ten. You think of what that does for your team. And the opportunity to give these guys to play in a major game and put that away, I would do it. Like, even if they're, none of them are going to play the rest of the season, I would do it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. I th- you know, that name, you mentioned Lorenzo Brown, that's, that's a real interesting prospect because D-line pressure. Uh, this guy came in with the size and, you know, it, would that be a guy that could come in in a spot duty 
especially when you need to pressure this QB. Uh, could he be a spark pass yeah. rush wise? There's that another fascinating. Yeah, another guy that Milton Mamula or whatever. Uh, like that. Yeah. Is he the guy from Philly? Is that him? Or I think that, so. Yeah. You know, and who knows? Like it's tough the to coaches say, yeah. have now, you know, had all of fall camp plus you know seven weeks of the season to see how these guys do in practice. There's got to be one or two that you're like, yeah, they could they could come at the end of season one and, and do something. I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I always, I guess I'll be disappointed if none of them play. <laughs> because I'll question the coaching move. Because if it's like the season's lost anyway, and that's your rationale, then you should be taking every opportunity to get these guys experience to build for next year. And if the coaching's not, it's kind of the, the approach they've taken with Calhoun. Calhoun probably could have played in more games than he has, but it kind of seems like they're just holding him for next year. For next year. It would seem. I, it I bet seem. we see yeah. Calhoun in Davis, and I bet we see Calhoun in Montana State. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, so, uh, you know, this this game, it's, uh, you know, turnover margin is scary as hell. Davis is plus eight. We're even. What was interesting how was... Are we, how are we even? Because <laughs> we had, you know, outside... Yeah, I don't know. That, that was what the Big Sky box score says. So... <laughs> wow. I didn't do the math myself. That just tells you how freakishly unbelievable the last two weeks have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the interesting, like, so I pulled Davis, and so it says they're, they're plus eight. So, so interestingly, what we saw was that Davis has thrown eight interceptions... But we know the starting quarterback only has three. So of their given away turnovers, most of it was junk time turnovers. So this shows just how efficient this team is on offense. When their starters are on the field, they're not turning the ball over nearly as much as their stats reflect. And they're already the best in the league. Yep. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Where's their weakness? What's their soft spot? Well, I mean, their defense isn't good. Like, they're no. giving up a lot of points. Their defense, their, their, so their defense gives up a little, it's not so much points, though, it's yards. Yards. Their, their defense yeah. gives up a lot of yards, but they kind of buckle down in the red zone. So if you look at what the Grizz need to do, it's not just get the yards, but get points out of the drives. Continually, even if it's field goals, touchdowns, whatever it may be. Uh, that, that seems to be the big weakness that they have there. They don't really defensively. They've got two guys, number 34, his name is Mason Moe. He's got five sacks. Uh, he's tied for second in the conference with Dante Olson with five sacks. Uh, number 20, Vincent White, he's a corner that's moved over to safety. He leads the conference with 13 pass breakups. Uh, but just one pick. Uh, outside of that, they've got a couple guys with some stats, but they don't. It's not like you look at the Grizz roster and it's like Dante and Bus like jump off the page to you. They just they, they kind of seem to be a defense that spreads it out, but it's a generic looking four three. It's nothing super flashy. We should be able to attack it better than we have in the last couple weeks. I saw they had like seven guys with twenty tackles, yeah. or more, yeah. and nothing flashy. <laughs> I guess I would say one of the weaknesses, this is more of an intangible or an anecdotal than a, a stat, but they've never been this team before. Right. Like they are in first place in the Big Sky Conference all alone. I have to wager it's the latest in the season they've ever been in first place in the Big Sky. I mean, I, I, if that's not true, then it's like the second time it's ever happened. And these are these are young guys. you got a yep. true sophomore quarterback and a redshirt freshman running back. Uh, I mean, Doss is a senior, uh, but 
a lot of young guys. You get on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you're coming to Washington Grizz. You've never played here before. And we've seen plenty of Big Sky teams come in as the plunky underdog. And, you know, the mystique doesn't throw them off. It doesn't do anything. But this is a little bit different because UC Davis is expected to win. Yeah. Like, they should win. They're sort of due for a letdown game. Which would have been their loss last week to ISU, but they win but they in won. overtime. Yep. Now maybe they're primed for ah, oh, we're gonna roll over this piece of shit that lost Northern Colorado, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're, and I we're mean, coming off a bye. North we, Dakota. We can hope. North Dakota. Sorry. Yeah, we can hope, right? I mean, it's like that's what we're that's what our season is reduced to, hoping that hoping. they're gonna have a chop game, burning sage around the stadium. <laughs> now, did you check out their coach? Yeah, Dan Hawkins was longtime coach at Boise State, then went to Colorado and flamed out. Very successful at Boise State. Yeah. Less than successful at Colorado. <laughs> Did you read about that drama? <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh man. Oh, he was terrible in Colorado. <laughs> well, he also has he's very he had a very quotable freak out there too, didn't he? He was yeah, like com- a player's parent was complaining about them losing playing time. Yeah. And he went off about, like, this isn't intramurals. He's like, this is the Big Ten or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go play intramurals. Because then they were the they weren't the Big Ten. They were in the, the Big 12 at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. With Oklahoma's in now and that. And he's like, this is the Big 12. This is football. <laughs> ah, it was... He got fired that year, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't come at me, I'm a man, I'm 40, but it was The cracks were showing. <laughs> yeah. See, I think this guy appears to be a wonderful coach, and I don't know. Well, I, the interesting thing is, ever since that happened, every time the Grizz have had an opening, people have floated Dan Hawkins' name. Like, he could not get hired in college football yeah. for a long time. And I think he's an alum of UC Davis. I think that's how he ended up there. I think he and he might have got his start there too, yeah. maybe or something. So well, yeah. we didn't want a controversial coach like Dan Hawkins, so <laughs> we went ahead and hired Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> no controversies at all. So squeaky clean. I'll give you one more, just kind of interesting. And this is the stupid message board cliche thing. Mm-hmm. The coldest game Davis has played in was fifty nine degrees this year. It's supposed to be like 38 and overcast and maybe a little rainy when we kick off. You know what's interesting is I have not in the last 10 years or so really seen that mystique or that thing ever matter in yeah. football. But it's like you see it in the pros all the time. Like dome teams like can't overcome it. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'm not saying it's – but it's going to be it's going to be cold. It's going to be uh, – Damp, I guess. I don't know. It's not supposed to be raining too much during the game. I don't know, you know, the old yeah. joke, loud and cold. I, it's stupid, I know. But ever since we got beat by Coastal, Coastal Carolina, Carolina, it's like it's all done. I'm like, I've stopped believing Nobody in that cares. bullshit. Yeah. No loud, no cold. <laughs> but I'm still hoping because, again, let down week, playoffs are on the line for them. Yeah, and it's like going back to, you know, it's like the stadium and loud and they're going to be like oh we played at Stanford and we played at who's the other FBS team that didn't they beat San Jose, San Jose. but it's like FBS. you're playing with house money because <laughs> like A nobody expects you to win either one of those games so it's like yeah. you know who cares like this game matters yeah it does it does this is a game where I could see some uh Unconventional calls on the goal line from us. Maybe Bobby gets a little tricky for once. Oh God, we're stuck. <laughs> so one thing I got to put out there, and it's like I don't know if either of you know who does the music at Grizz Games, but we should figure this out because our buddy Brad, Mister Titleist on Twitter, has pointed out every time the Grizz 
DJ plays Cotton Eye Joe before the fourth quarter, the Grizz seem to lose. <laughs> it's like that is not an early game song. Cut that shit out. Okay. Cotton Eye No. <laughs> To, oh. to take over Brandon. That's a pun for Brandon. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> so, no. I do have to share one fascinating observation because as dumb as it was, I went and I researched all the weather for all the games that they played this year. <laughs> this is why we added you. And, <laughs> so when they played Stanford, uh, so you get the box score report, and it's like it's 10 pages long with just numbers. So the weather, every, all of it would be like 75 and warm or whatever. Stanford was 69 and nice, which a lot of people, internet jokes, anything where it has the number 69, all the replies are nice. nice. So whoever did the Stanford, whoever did the Stanford box score was having a little chuckle. That's awesome. And put it in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of in-depth in research you want here. So I was like, what was the temperature in the game they lost? It was 69 and it was nice. nice. So a couple other bi-week news and notes. As expected, Dante Olsen got added to the um, awards watch list for the Buchanan, which he should be. Should you know, Buss stayed on the awards watch list for the Buchanan, as he should be. My concern is those two are going to split votes. Oh, yeah. And Dante or Josh Buss isn't going to win it. But good for them for being freaking on it. But we all know Troy Anderson's going to win it. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I think if Dante continues to average let's a thousand say, tackles, let's a say game. twelve tackles a game, which is pedestrian for his season so far, mm-hmm. I think he'll run away with it. I don't know. You in this voting, seniors get this preference yep. over sophomores, especially or juniors, and it's just you'll have this thing of. Well, he did it this year. He'll do it again. Like, Josh Buss didn't even get put on the watch list, I don't think, his sophomore year when he had, like, 22 tackles for a loss. Yeah, it's crazy. So. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be interesting with Bobby Outback to see how the Big Sky Awards go at the end of the year because the way they vote on those are crazy, and it sounds like coaches really <laughs> have to lobby. But it's like, there, a couple of years ago, Tyrone Holmes should have won Defensive Player of the Year. He freaking won. It wasn't the Buchanan that year. For some reason, they didn't have the rights for one year, so it was like the equivalent FCS division, whatever player of the year. It was 2015. But he didn't win the Big Sky Player of the Year because they gave it to the Southern Utah guy because it was a career achievement. Because it was a career achievement. Yes, yes. So awards things conference wide, and especially when you get to that level, they're just they're dumb. It all depends on how well your SID sells you to other people. So Tabor, keep it up. We know you're listening. <laughs> we know, Tabor. We know. Give us a sign. <laughs> a wink um, and a nod. Other place. interesting article. We don't need to talk about it too much here, but I, I would encourage everybody to go read it. Um, Amy Justin, her last Missoulian article, had been working on a long-term piece about concussions in Grizzly football. We, we lost a lot of guys to retirement this offseason, and most of them were concussions. And it was just an interesting article to read as it relates to just the bigger conversation. Big interview with the Grizz trainer in there. And it was interesting also to contrast it with, like, football's not actually the highest concussion sport. And things like that. But anyway, I would encourage you all to go find that. The concussion topic is interesting in football because it gets more press than anything else. We've got sports where the literal goal of the sport is to punch another person in the face mm-hmm. and get, knock them unconscious. And we go savage over those sports. Mm-hmm. But in football, 
like, why is this the only venue in which the, we, we get angry about concussions? I don't get it. It was interesting. Um, women's soccer is right up there yeah. with concussions per participant, basically, which was interesting. The other interesting thing that I read a little bit was, I think it's the Ivy Leagues have done some concussion studies, and they've stopped all full contact and practices. And it has dropped concussion levels significantly. Hmm. The other interesting thing that, that somebody tweeted, and, and it's kind of funny because it's one of those like, yeah, right things. But they also were like, you ever notice how many times teammates and coaches hit helmets when you do a good play? And it's like, if we're so concerned about this, it's like, <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> stop putting any unnecessary hits to people's heads. Did you ever have a concussion in football, Mike? Not that I know of. Brent, did you ever have a concussion in golf? No. <laughs> <laughs> I got a concussion in kickball once. What? It's did believable. Get... Covering, covering home plate, ball comes into me, guys coming in from third, and it's like old baseball rules. Take you out, stood your take ground. Out. I, I stood my ground, and I woke up about 10 seconds later face first on the ground. It was. Did it, you hold on to the ball? Did then? you make the play? I did. He yes. Was, all that matters. <laughs> worth it. It's all that matters. I can't remember my son's middle name, but it was worth it. I'm kidding. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Luke and I were on an intramural baseball team in, in college, and uh, we were in the playoffs, I think, and all we needed was a single, so I was coaching first base or something like that, and I told Luke, like, just, just make contact. And Luke, in his infinite athleticism, was probably like, who the fuck is Mike? And then he hit a home run. Walk-off home run. <laughs> what you're not telling the fans is that the happening before that, Mike, he made a play at the plate like you did. Hot shot throw from outfield. Skips in at 100 miles an hour. Mike nabs it just perfectly into a swipe and ends the inning by getting a runner out at the home, at the home plate. It was so magical. And then he is so Freaking fired up. He brings his his catcher's mitt and the ball above his head, and he's walking out towards the pitcher's mound, and he spikes it. <laughs> and starts pounding his chest like LeBron James. is so excited. But that was the play of the game. That was definitely my top three athletic moments of my life as far as, like, highlights on the sports field. Um, I think that Harlow, one of our loyal pod listeners, Threw the ball from center field, if I remember he, right. He's a good athlete, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the only reason I made the connection there was I played catcher in interview. <laughs> Which you know is where you put. Yeah. yeah. You're a good player. You're, yeah, you're the least athletic guy. Yeah, yeah. In real, yeah. That's exactly right. The I'm guy that can't run. Yep. No. <laughs> so uh, let's transition into a new segment that we have. Yeah. We, um, you know, as we've added Brent, we've... we've We've, we've worked him in slowly because, you know, we're relying on all his mental data, so we don't want to do things too much. But uh, we, we, needed to, we needed to get a segment for Brent. And um, actually, it's funny that the aforementioned Jason Harlow actually came up with this idea. Yeah. So nice work. He comes up with BWR. It's kind of like the QB ratings, except it's the Brent Wahlberg ratings. There we go. And what we are going to do is give Brent a random topic whenever we do the segment, and he's got to as quickly as he can put out the top five. Top, f- top five. Oh my god! So you guys texted me about this, and I immediately started sweating. <laughs> so, Luke, do you have an idea? Because I do. I don't know. How many do you have? I have one good one and one eh. 
Alright, let's I'll start. I've got three ones. How I've many of these are we doing? <laughs> We're gonna do okay. all of them. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, this right. may be the single best week for the BWR. We'll see. <laughs> Alright, Brent. Top five favorite Grizz home games. Okay. Ooh. 94 McNeese State. 2001 App State. Uh, see, this is where they start to blend. Uh, 2015 North Dakota State. The And then uh, the South Dakota State comeback game. Both the South Dakota State comeback games in 2009 and 1993. Wow, oh, man, you don't have the 09 App State game in there? I did. That was the second one, wasn't it? Oh, Nine? that? Okay, because we've had two great... Playoff games against App State. Yeah, the yeah. 2000 the Tremaine two, Johnson bad ball yeah. that one. Yeah, that one. Oh, no. Right yeah. in front of us. Snow, snow, snow like game. Dumped snow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was awesome. That was so fun. Um, there's lots of. Oh man, that was good. I could not come up with five that. <laughs> nice work. All right, Mike. Um, in the not quite as related to the pod, <laughs> I need to know your top five Halloween candies. Snickers, Three Musketeers, Butterfinger, Baby Ruth. Tootsie Rolls. Oh, man. A lot of chocolate. A lot of chocolate in there. Do you see me? <laughs> Where's the high fructose corn syrup, I was going to say, where are the Mike and Ike? I need some dots. Oh. <laughs> no milk duds. Don't Get pull that. out those fillings. Get that gelatin shit out of here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip one because it's not as good. This will be our last one, I think. <laughs> as you mentioned before uh, we started recording in our podcast... Pre-show meeting. Pre-show, yes. Very, very thorough meeting. You said that Taylor Swift released her hit album, Red, six years ago today. What? So in honor of that event, what are your top five favorite T-Swift songs? <laughs> Shake it off. Look what you made me do. Oh, my God. My daughter's listening to all this, too. I should know what this is. Uh, oh, his daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to own it. I listen to plenty of Taylor right. Swift. You do. Oh, yeah. Why don't you ask Mike this question? This would be a good one. The BWR. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Look what you made me do. Shake it off. I, my mind is mush. Uh, oh. How can 22 not be on this? <laughs> 22. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what's the one? There's that one. Uh, I'm just trying to think of ones that I can remember. What's. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> this is terrible. So self-titled Taylor Swift in oh. 2006. Speak Now in 2010. <laughs> Fearless, 2008. Red I, in 2012. Can, um, 1989, 2014. Can I ask you one, Mike? Yes. No, I feel... Yes, you can. <laughs> Top five Kelly Clarkson songs. Does Kelly Clarkson have five songs? <laughs> Oh man! Someone told me on a Weaver road trip that you really enjoyed Kelly. Um. Oh man! See, I'm I'm mixing up with Enrique Iglesias <laughs> songs right now. I want to say I can be your hero, but that's that's like, a, Dylan. Or buddy know. Dylan can explain that one a little bit more. We both know your top two favorite songs are "Since You've Been Gone." Yes. <laughs> And Miss Independent. <laughs> it's possible that Luke made me a uh, mixed CD in, in college that had Kelly Clarkson on it. Okay. Well, that was a good, I think that was a good, very successful uh, BWR one. Right. The Taylor Swift curveball got me. 
thought that was right in your zone. <laughs> okay, so I think it's important to mention that this episode is brought to you by the Hotel Finland in the great city of Butte, America. We had a first-time pod listener this past week, and we'll keep names quiet for the to protect the innocent. But she gave us good reviews on the pod, but I think the single biggest takeaway was she really likes Hotel Finland. What did she say? She said she really likes Hotel Finland. <laughs> <laughs> We're, that's good. I mean, that's good. Affirms what I already know. I like it when um, people's opinions affirm the things I already believe. Yeah. It's basically my entire internet search history. <laughs> but did she say anything about how rooms start at just $80 a night? Or you can get a whole suite for just over 100 bucks? I think it was more about the Cavalier Lounge and the Smooth Hopperator. Ooh, that is good. Yeah. The smooth operator infuses your drinks with fresh fruits and flavors, kind of kicking, you know, your conventional drink up another notch. Absolutely. This this gal's doing good things for Montana, traveling all around the state, but the Hotel Finland is what jumped out to her. So if you want to appreciate all that the Hotel Finland has to offer, it's hotelfinland.com. F I N L E N.com. All right. Let's get back to the pod. Sounds good. Let's talk about power rankings in the big sky. So this is a good bi-week, good bi-week topic. Yep. Let's start from the bottom of the barrel and, and work our way up to the cream. So talking about the bottom of the barrel, I was doing some research for this today. Who is the team, prior to North Dakota, I suppose, that Bobby Houck said was the toughest team they'd played all year? The worst one in my power rankings. Sac State is the only winless team in the big sky. They're 0-4. They're turning my preseason rankings on its head. I know. <laughs> uh, even worse than Idaho, or how do they compare? Idaho is still in the mix, Mike. All right. <laughs> they won this past weekend. So, yeah, Sac State's the bottom to me. What about you, Mike? Yeah, that's where I had them the four losses in a row. And when you're trying to break apart the bottom four, the one thing the other teams in the bottom four had in common was that they beat Sacramento State. <laughs> <laughs> See, I... Think about how decent, I'm going to say how decent, that doesn't sound lovely, but Sac State wasn't terrible. The Big Sky Conference, I think, is very tough. Yeah, it's tough, but Sac is just bad. They can't find ways to win games. So maybe it's not a talent issue, but maybe it's something else. Two sure. and five overall. Um, my next worst team, I put Southern Utah in, and the reason I did that is I know that Southern Utah's got to win, but I mean, there's a couple one-win teams in there. And Southern Utah just got shellacked by Idaho, of all people. Idaho. Which is, they're decent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell that Idaho stock yet. Oh, boy. I had, uh, I had Cal Poly there. Just, uh, I was tossing up between the two of Southern Utah and Cal Poly as to who was more worse, if that's a, descri- <laughs> if that's a describer. I had um, Cal Poly as the third worst in conference. So we're flipped. I had Southern Utah won over Cal Poly for really no reason whatsoever. Which means North Dakota's got North North uh, Northern Colorado's got to be next, right? Yep, that's where I got UNC. I mean, they obviously that was their first win of the season, so it's kind of funny that uh, you know both Southern Utah and Cal Poly have two wins, but. UNC beat NAU, and we called that here on the pod. We said if this is the Jerome Sowers road letdown <laughs> game, neither, it, neither Luke or I was uh, you know bold enough to actually pick Northern Colorado to win that game, but we certainly talked about typical Jerome Sowers midseason swan song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They 
NAU has to move on from him at the end of the year, right? <laughs> like, I don't think it's no. his fault because last year they, like, did this whole thing where they like, tried to force him out. It was last season, and they brought him back. It was the AD. The AD yeah. told me he wasn't coming back, and then they fired the AD. Yeah. The president like hired him. He's got, he's got some slack because Cook has got hurt again. Yeah. His, he's going to say, what am I supposed to do with the second and third string quarterback? You know, it's not my fault. Anyone would have lost. Didn't work for Bob's dead. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But salt in the wounds. NAU is not. Rough things. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because NAU's backup quarterback got hurt in this game. But Northern Colorado had suspended like 13 guys. <laughs> Some sort of curfew violation <laughs> after they lost to Portland State the week before. It wasn't even Halloween. <laughs> um, were they hanging out in vacant houses? or <laughs> Did they go to Pullman? Yikes. All right, so now well, who's next? Where are we at? Number, we're, we're number nine. Number nine. So who's your next? Because my next might surprise you. I know. I, you know, that's, I think that's fair. My next is actually NAU. Ooh, interesting. And the reason I say that is like, you look at that group of two-win yeah. Big Sky teams, and who's the one that you honestly think is the most done? I mean, maybe Portland State, and they're my next one, but any of you, to me, unless they get Cookus back, they're not good. Yeah, I, I was having a challenge with it, and what, what I looked at is, and, and granted, different amount of personnel... NAU's got a win against Weber on their record, which is that, that's a good win. Crazy. I mean, you know, UNC's got a win against NAU. So, but I put Idaho down there because they, I don't know. Yeah, they're just they they beat Southern Utah, who's terrible. They did beat Portland State, who I have one ahead of them. But Portland State's on a two game win streak, and they beat the Grizz, who. So I'm I'm propping them up a little bit more. Fair. But yeah, so Idaho just statistically is. Awful this year. Uh, they're maybe it's, I knock them down further because they're just a letdown. Because we hate them. But they're fun to watch. Suck. You said they got they're, a Brett Favre. Their quarterback's fun to watch. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna hate. Them I did. I, I that's I watched most of the Idaho Southern Utah game and most of the Cat Weaver game. Switch back and forth. And he he, he is kind of fun to watch. Right. Petrino's kid. He just makes shit up on the fly. Yeah, he threw a left-handed pass. <laughs> I'm excited. We're gonna go to Idaho to watch the Grizz game here in a couple weeks. And I'm pretty excited to watch this kid. You know who hasn't committed to that trip yet? Who? Me. What? <laughs> what do you gotta sit at home, think about your kid's middle name? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually has to have quality time with Sammy because uh Courtney listened to the pod last week and is pretty upset about uh his his treatment of the dog. The dog. Oh, jeez, that's my bad. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Lola. <laughs> so, um, my number eight, number seven were Portland State and Idaho. So mine go Portland State eight, NAU seven, and I give NAU the bump up for the win against Weber. Yeah, which you, is legitimate. You beat a top ten team. Yeah, I'm doing more like trending now, and you're doing a little bit more body work. Yep, yep. Cool. Uh, number six. The Grizz. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's where I'd put them too. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're technically in conference, no good wins yet. You beat UNI, who suddenly is trending up with a big South Dakota State win. That's a big, like, people, like, want to talk about our Portland State loss and how it's going to crush, like, their playoff bubble. But UNI is still a big win. Yep, yep, yep. Um, not that we've got a major playoff bubble to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, number five. Cats. That's how I put the cats, too. I just, there's clearly, there's the haves and the have-nots, and the Cats and the Grizz for the last couple of years 
have just been the mediocre middle of the conference. Yeah, they have been. And I put the Cats over the Grizz because they're 2-0 against common opponents. Yeah, I was going to say, they beat teams that Grizz haven't. I'm going to call timeout here, like 20, maybe 20 seconds. It'll probably go into a full. But <laughs> the Cats have just stirred up their coaching staff. Yeah, the, the Cats, I mean, you, you watched the game, and I was texting Brent a little bit, and Troy Anderson, who we all love, but he shouldn't be playing quarterback. No. You know, well, Troy Anderson University, but it's like some people would say, who else do they have? And I guess, like, to me, that's on the coaching staff. So they brought in a guy named Bob Cole. And Bob Cole would sound familiar to a lot of Montana fans who've been around for a while because he was the offensive coordinator for Dennehy way back when. He's been around a lot. So they brought him in, and they made him the passing game coordinator. Now, I didn't realize he was calling plays the last few weeks, yeah, but somebody told me he was calling plays the last few weeks. Yeah. So they shook up the staff. So today. Today. Like, so Monday. Today's Monday. Today, Monday, they released a series of changes. Yep. Bob Cole is gone. He's gone. And Matt Miller from Helena Capital, he was the standout receiver who played at Boise State. Right. He's now on MSU's coaching staff. He has been promoted to offensive coordinator. Yeah. So they demoted the offensive coordinator, running game coordinator. Armstrong. Armstrong who used to be the head coach at one of the Montana NAI schools. Western? Maybe Western. Um, And they fired Bob Cole. And what Choate said was, if we're going to give Miller this job, he needs to have a clear room, and we need to to not have him looking over his shoulder. So they got rid of Bob Cole. Interesting thing to me, and you guys can weigh in all you want, there's got to be more to that story, because Bob Cole's the only guy on staff on that offensive staff who has any sort of offensive pedigree at all at legitimate college football levels. So I wanted to tie this back to our rankings. We have, you know, Mike, you're, you're with your NAU selection. You're like, let's rank NAU now. Let's rank MSU now. Does this change anything? Could they get worse well, at play calling? I was going to say, I don't think that their offense can get worse, but going back to the Colt, it's like, I think Cole was the fall man for a problem that he had nothing to do with. It's like, <laughs> He can't improve the passing game for a team that doesn't have someone who can pass. They say you can't make an omelet without breaking any eggs. But can you make an omelet if you don't have any fucking eggs? Because I don't think he had any eggs, right? It's like, I kind of have to wonder, and this is pure speculation on my part, but supposedly there was a little bit of a blow-up after the game Mm. with the coaching staff. And I kind of wonder if... Bob Cole didn't say, like, this is bullshit. We need to like we need to stop pretending like this is going to work. So Choate says, it's not a personal thing about Bob. I just think we kind of reached that point where saying the same things and getting the same results wasn't going to breed confidence in our offense. It was time for a change. Do you buy or sell that? I think that's bullshit because they never even gave him the full offensive coordinator position. They never gave him the full offensive coordinator position. It was never his room. And they didn't have a freaking quarterback. And it's like, you're going to blame it on the one guy who has zero responsibility in recruiting, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't recruit any of those guys. No, that's true. Choate about Miller. I think he's a rising star in the profession. They know, the players, that he played the game at the highest level. And I think he's prepared to take this step and will do a fine job by yourself. I'm selling. I think that Miller is a very exciting guy. I think he's going to be a good coach. He could turn into a hell of an offensive coordinator, but if he does, Choate's getting lucky in my mind because I don't. I think that this is a perfect sign of Choate being over his head on offense and getting rid of the one guy in the room who's smarter than him. Mm. And Miller's probably smarter than him on offense, but he's so young in the profession that you're not threatened by that guy. 
I sell it in just that they say Matt Miller has played at the highest level. Like, Boise State is not the highest <laughs> level. <laughs> you know, when somebody um, on Twitter, I think, compared it to, well, you know, they're, they're like, somebody said, well, Matt Miller's so young and inexperienced, and they said, well, it's working for Idaho State. And it's like, there are so many differences. Because, first of all, Idaho State's head coach is Fennessey, who's been an offensive coordinator for a forever. long damn time. Yeah. And Ferreter, who's calling the plays at Idaho State this year as offensive coordinator, is on the Grizz staff the last three years, was the pass game coordinator last year, so he helped game plan. Before that, he was the receivers coach at Idaho State for two years. And before that, he was at UNLV for two years. So it's like that's three different offensive systems. That's three different head coaches. I just, I mean, it's like, where's the depth of experience? And it's like, so... The most experienced guy that Matt Miller has to rely on is Armstrong, who was a shitty offensive coordinator who just got demoted. <laughs> this really makes me excited about the last stretch of the Big Sky Conference because we obviously want to see the Bobcats like crash and burn super hard, mm-hmm. especially in the Brawl of the Wild. This can't be a good move for them. See, it's like I think that their offense can't get any worse, so you might see some variety that we didn't see before and it might be initially better but this poor kid like there's nothing that he can do to fix the problems that the cats have and that's they're playing a freaking nfl linebacker quarterback (laughs) yeah you still have a guy who can't throw more than 11 yards downfield i mean they only had like seven first downs against weaver and weaver's a good defense yeah but i mean that like their passing yards were abysmal last week (laughs) he threw for like 90 something this week was like 30-something. Like two picks, yeah. yeah. All right, so you're still going to rank MSU at five and, and the Grizzlies at six. Yes. Mm-hmm. I still think that, that MSU would line up and beat everybody below them. And part of that is they beat Idaho last week with Troy Anderson. So, um, and they beat Portland. Okay. All right, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Yep. Get you on record, Mayor Mike. Yep. So we got five for the Cats, and we both agreed on it. Yep. Who's four? Eastern Washington. Oh, wow. Ballsy. Yeah. I was going to say Weber. Interesting. See, I think Weber, too, and the only reason I say that is, I mean, Weber's got killer defense, but their offense is bad. <laughs> yes. And let's give one second a shout-out to their backup quarterback, who I didn't think it was possible to see a grosser injury than Reese Phillips. Oof. But his, like, no, it's, yeah. it looked like it was his, his knee down, completely turned around. Yeah, and Root Sports... Credit to them, like, they didn't show any replays or anything like that, but it's like, it took about five seconds for the producer to recognize (laughs) what they were seeing on the screen. So you could see, you know, the foot pointing in the wrong direction, and it's just like, oh my god. There is enough time for me to run around my house and come back and still see it on TV. I was like, oh, God's still there. (laughs) Um, Interestingly, I thought that Weber actually moved the ball better with the other quarterback who started the game. He was the original starter, but they took him out because he was playing pretty terrible. He throws picks. He's not as – so it's like – One's a safer play than the other. But but in my mind, like, Weber's offense is just bad. So So tell me why Eastern is here. So – who have they beat? NAU. Other than that, their conference wins are Cal Poly, the Bobcats, and Southern Utah. I but, mean, and the NAU game was a non-conference game. As yeah. it's like, and and Gubrud's been hurt, and they just this is the, Eastern's probably gonna like light it up and win a bunch of big games. But it's like the rest of their schedule is not super tough. Idaho, Northern Colorado, Davis, and Portland—they got one tough game left on the schedule. So presumably they'll finish in that kind of nine and two range, but I don't really know who they are. They haven't been tested much, and so 
I just I went through it and I first had them at one and then I moved them down because it's like oh, who have they beat and like and like statistically they're okay, but it's just they haven't beat anybody and everyone I have above them has a signature win. Weber beat Eastern Washington, so I have Eastern three, so I'm not that far off. Yeah, but what's interesting and, and maybe this is credence to you're correct, but it's like my dream scenario and this is completely unrealistic before anybody. You know, says it's not, but is that the Grizz win four games, make the playoffs, beat whoever they get at home because they'll get a home game in the first round because yep. people forget how the playoffs work now, and then they'll go to, to whoever has a bye. Eastern is close by. We didn't play them this year. I'd have to think that if we make the playoffs, we are in a bracket that has us going to Eastern in the second round. Unless Eastern somehow falls completely on their face. Which they, they shouldn't. They're not. They, so the Circle Davis, and that's going to be their only challenge. So the flip side is, it's like, and my backup dream scenario is Weber. But it's like, I, no. I would love to... <laughs> I see, it's like, I would love the chance for the Grizz to take on Eastern with nothing to lose in the second round of the playoffs. That'd be so fun. Wouldn't it be fun? That would be so incredibly yeah. fun. We'd probably get Brent to go. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so too crazy. so I put Weaver at three over their offense. Like statistically, is the worst in the Big Sky. I, I think they showed that stat in the Cat game. Like they're terrible at first out. The offense is just terrible. But the best defense, and they beat Eastern. Now they beat Eastern without Gubbard, but they still got that win. So I put them up over Eastern. It was a recent win, right? Two weeks ago. So that was my number three team. Okay. Uh, my number two is I, ISU. Same here. I, I was surprised that you did that because I was thinking, like, my two big hot takes in this were Eastern all the way down at four and Idaho at two. But Idaho beat North Dakota and NAU. Yeah, Idaho. I mean, and Tyler they Geller, Liberty. their quarterback, I mean, has been playing lights out. Yeah. And he like, was good last year, too. Oh, yeah. And those guys, we recognize them. Dean and Geller. I mean, like, they're yeah. <clears throat> the president and the other guy, the running backs, James Madison and... Um, they're good. Yeah, like, oh yeah. Is yeah, my yeah. point. Yeah. I think that I mean they hung with Liberty. I still think at some point like the fairy tale is gonna something's gonna happen. But I hope they beat the cats this week. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we can all get on board with. Uh yeah. Alright, so last in the power rankings then. Davis. We got Davis. Davis. Because they beat Idaho State. I mean, and, and their best record, I mean, undefeated in conference. I mean, it's really hard to argue against them right now. Yeah, at this point in the season, I think we got to give them that. How many Big Sky Conference teams go to the playoffs? I mean, every year I think you could say it's four to five. I think this year, and Brent can point it out a little bit, but it's like North Dakota probably is only going to lose one more game all year. Yeah. So they're going to take one of those four to five spots. So if it's a four-team year for the Big Sky, North Dakota is one of them. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. North Dakota, I mean, they, they play Weber in North Dakota this weekend. After that, Idaho, Portland, NAU. I mean, they should win all those. So they're going to be 8-3 and three or 9-2. and two. I mean, if they're 9-2, and two, they're obviously in. 8-3, uh, and three, I mean... Do they, is there, are there all their wins D1 wins? I believe so. Then I, I, I mean, then they're ready to Yeah, so... So, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, North Dakota is going to steal somebody's spot. Uh, a bubble team, either in the Big Sky or maybe the Missouri Valley, but probably the Big Sky. So, if we only take four and North Dakota gets one, who's left out? UC Davis, Eastern Washington, Weber State, or Idaho State? Well, Idaho State already has three losses. Yep. So, even though they're, they're 
hot and they're fun to watch. They still go to Polly, which, you know, they're going to beat him because Polly's bad, but you never know how teams respond to the option. And they have Weber. And if they lose to Weber, they're going to have to hope that some things fall their way at 7-4. and four. And that Weber game is the last game of the season. And a lot of times playoff committees look at how you end your season as well, too. Do Does Idaho State, they seem to play a D2 team every year or worse. Like, they've played Western before. Yeah, I think they opened with an NAI. Because, I mean, like that's already a knock against them. Yeah. So... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so ISU, I mean, the, so the way I kind of saw it, there's there's like three teams, like if the playoffs started right now, in the Big Sky that are like locks. Eastern Davis Weaver, right? Yep. They're all top ten teams right now. Then you kind of get this next tier of three that are probably one loss, one more loss, and they're out. And that's Idaho State, Montana State, and Montana. And so Idaho State plays Montana State, and they play Weaver. MSU plays both us and ISU. Uh, we play Davis and MSU. Both are, both of all three of these teams have two games that they should be favored in, and two games that they're probably not favored in. So it it could be. I mean, North Dakota's got to love this because we're probably gonna have all our bubble teams finish seven and four, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, six and five, and then it won't matter. Oh, gosh, I love this conference. I love it. And hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's like we talked about last week. It's like I hate that we don't all play each other as an individual. <clears throat> fan yeah. of the Grizz, but from like a watch the conferencing, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And you know who's not out, who's an extreme long shot is is Northern Arizona. I don't think they're they're gonna get in, but they beat their their they won one of their playoff games. They beat uh who was it? San UT uh, it was, San Antonio was it? No or? it was um, UTEP. UTEP. Yeah, they beat UTEP. So in a game that they should have chalked a loss up in, they won. They won, and so they definitely would have to win out. They could they're win already with four losses. Yep, exactly. So NAU would need the stars to align, win out, go seven and four. They'd need North Dakota to probably lose an improbable game or two. But you look at that. So so say NAU wins out and UND loses to Weber and NAU, both those two are going to be sitting at seven and four. NAU will have the late season win. I mean, yeah, NAU to would, has to beat UC Davis. Yep. To, the, NAU would have to have an improbable but, run. But play this out. I mean, it's like just so that there's anything that can happen. So let's say a miracle happens and the Grizz beat UC Davis this yep. week. Yep. So they are 6-2. and two. Let's say that NAU pulls a miracle and beats UC Davis. Again, probably not likely, but at the beginning of the year, we were picking NAU to be one of the two best teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. And then... UC Davis travels to Eastern Washington. Washington. (laughs) I mean... They could drop three in a row. This is the hardest three-game stretch of their schedule. Mm -hmm. Us, by virtue of being a hard venue to play, and the other two by virtue of maybe better better teams. Better teams, yeah. You know. (laughs) A lot can happen. I mean, I looked at this, I went down the line, and it's like... The, the the team that seems like the most likely to lock in for the playoffs is Eastern. Because Eastern is probably going to finish between 8-3 and three and 9-2. and two. Yeah, Eastern's remaining. They've got Idaho at home. They go to Northern Colorado. They have Davis at home. And they go to Portland State. So that's probably a 3-1, and one, if not a 4-0 and oh stretch, right? I mean, it's, I mean, right in there. So um, outside of that, I mean, Davis could be anywhere from 7-4 and four to 10-1. and one. Weber could be 7-4 and four to 9-2. and two. After that, all of our bubble teams could be anywhere from six and five to eight and three. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, the picture's narrowing each week. Uh, but so and this week, I mean, Idaho State or Montana State is probably going to punch themselves out of the playoffs. Whoever wins that game is going to continue on, and whoever loses that game is presumably done for. 
playoff wise. Real, I mean, if we're again, it's like you know we're talking long shots, but if we're talking like Grizz controlling their own destiny and stuff like that, we need to be Davis, of course. But we actually need MSU to beat Idaho State because we still play MSU, yep. and we could give MSU that head-to-head fourth loss. Yes. So you know, as much as. I'm going to definitely root for Idaho State in that game, and who cares to be damned. <laughs> if the Cats beat Idaho State, that's actually good for the Grizz. It helps us. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up the Big Sky playoff picture. Yeah, I think we just got to run through our picks real quick and uh, get out of here. That's where you're wrong. Uh-oh. Mike, do you know what time it is? Oh, no. It's a check down. It's time for the check down. <laughs> <laughs> little, little late on the laser. Sorry. <laughs> <and>, uh... <laughs> Okay, Mike, uh, this is the segment where I ask you quick questions, hard questions. Hard-hitting, yeah. And then you give me fast answers. First, if the Grizz beat UC Davis this week, are the Grizz ranked next week? No. UC Davis attendance, over under 24,000. Over. Better play caller, Bob Cole or Mick Delaney-era offensive coordinator, Kafense? Oh, Bob Cole. Favorite Missoula breakfast stop? Paradise Falls. In-N-Out versus Five Guys. Fuck Uh, In-N-Out. In-N-Out is overrated. I mean, it's not a bad burger, but they're overrated. Five Guys, at least you could freaking get sauce options. And there are other things on the menu. You've got to walk into Five Guys. Who cares? Someone who's on the go. Have you gone to a drive-thru to an In-N-Out? There's fucking long lines. I've actually never done this. <laughs> it's overrated, Luke. It's overrated. We've been through this. It was a topic of conversation after the Weber State loss last year. <sighs> Are the Grids out of the playoffs on Sunday? No. Ooh. Ooh. Now that's a hot take. I love it. All right, I think that concludes the check down. Good oh. job, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Boom, boom. All right, we're jumping all around this week because uh, no Grizz game to wrap up from last week. Let's run through the picks real quick. Southern Utah and Idaho. Idaho won. Uh, You picked Idaho. I picked Southern Utah, so one for Luke. Yeah. All right. Idaho State at Liberty. You picked Idaho State to upset Liberty. They came damn close. Yeah. I I picked Liberty, so it's one-to-one. My dad has been hazing me about my picks, by the way. Good. You could use a good hazing. <laughs> Interestingly enough, we both should have went with our gut. So Northern Arizona at Northern Colorado, we both picked NAU. Northern Colorado pulls the upset. Wow. Uh, Montana State at Weber State, uh, we both picked Weber State. UC Davis at Poly, we both picked Davis. North Dakota at Sac State, we both picked North Dakota. Um, so we both went 4-2 and two for the week. You're 41-23 and 23 for the year. I'm 47-17. and 17. Wow. So with... Four weeks left, you're up four picks. I just wanted to recap that. I'm gonna have to, I have some work to do. I was going to say, you have to pick it up. So, let's right now. Weber State at North Dakota. Oh my gosh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with North Dakota. Interesting. That's kind of the way I'm leaning to. I think that if North Dakota can move the ball on Weber's defense at all, that Weber's going to be in trouble. That's kind of been their theme. But... If you factor, if you say that the way their offense performed against us was a fluke and that they're more likely to be the offense in every other game they've played this year, they, Weber's going to take away that running game. I think I'm going with Weber. It's going to be low scoring. I mean, I. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, I 
would lean to North Dakota at home, week off, rested, ready to go. Weaver, tougher cat win. Uh, and, I mean, probably should have beat the Cats a little more handily. Um, so I'd lean to North Dakota, but I, I think your point, Mike, is good. I mean, is the North Dakota that kicks shit out of the Grizz no. the real North Dakota, or is that just like a fluke? I think you guys are – I think, Mike, you're underestimating the five Noahs on North Dakota's team. <laughs> and Nate, Nate Ketteringham. I think he's a good quarterback. I think they've got a strong offense. They're going to be able to move the ball on Weber. Half of Nate Kenningham's offensive output came against the Grizz. Well, <laughs> what about John Santiago? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Idaho and Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Uh, I'm going to Eastern as well. Um, if Idaho wins this, then everything we thought we knew about Idaho is wrong. <laughs> is Gubbard playing? I, they had a bye this past week. So I probably. hope so. Yeah. If he doesn't... Idaho could make it a game. I don't know. Idaho's not good. Montana State and Idaho State. Uh, it's going to be Idaho State, but like we discussed earlier, we kind of need Montana State to pull some <laughs> magic from their ass. I've been getting burned picking against the Cats, but I'm going to go Idaho State. It's at home. Brent, what do you think? Yeah, I think Idaho State, too. Their, their offense is the real deal. I don't know. I, I could see a Cat win, though, just because the Cats have had troubles against better defenses, and Idaho's defense is not good. Idaho yeah. State's defense is not What's good. What's going to happen is they're going to look, they're going to perform well in offense because it's a bad defense, and everyone's going to be like, oh, Choke's a genius for making Miller the OC. At what point in the season will teams figure out that Troy Anderson is one, you know, one-trick pony? Well, with, with the exception of one play, we were figuring it out. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't have blitzed and let him get into the second level on third down and whatever. Mm-hmm. I texted somebody and I was like, oh, it was like Jason Seymour called that play. <laughs> he phoned it in. Yeah, because I was like, that's what it was. It was third and long and then uh, blitzed. And it's like all he did was step up. And it's like, oh, open field. Yeah. Here we go. Um, Cal Poly, Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona. I picked Northern Arizona as well in that game. Um, Brent, do you have any reason to think that's not accurate? No, yeah, no, no. That should be it. Yeah, uh, Northern Colorado, Southern Utah. Northern Colorado. Oh, okay. Southern Utah's at home, but... They have not shown me a lot of reason to be impressed this year. I am going to take Southern Utah only because I am a really pessimistic person sometimes. <laughs> and I feel that we're going to get Southern Utah peaking and turning into the team we thought. Okay. Makes sense. Um, Portland State at Sac State. Oh, geez. It's so hard to pick Portland State, but I'm going to pick them. I think they've, they've grown and Sac State hasn't hasn't shown us anything. Are you going to do the same thing, Mike, where you... They're, they're blossoming and turning into the team we thought they were? No, I'm going to pick Sac State because sooner or later they have to play like the best team Bobby Huck's seen all year, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the week that I get to make up some I was ground. I say, you've got the opportunity. We, this is probably the most differences we've had all, all season. Uh, only one of us has picked perfect, and uh, I'm going to do it twice. So one more game to pick. Mm-hmm. UC Davis at Montana. I'm going to pick... Oh, man... Going into this season, we knew that the Grizz were going to have some struggles. We knew the O-line was young. We, the secondary had a lot of question marks throughout it. We didn't know what to expect from Dalton Sneed. At the outset, I thought UC Davis would win this game. Uh, and for the first time this year, I think I'm going to pick UC Davis. Yeah, I'm picking UC Davis too. I know you're pointing out the checkdown thing, but it's like... How do you reconcile the checkdown? Because seven of four teams have made the playoffs before. <laughs> <laughs> I just, 
I, I look at it and it's like there's been several weeks in a row where it's like I picked the Grizz and it's like I shouldn't have. And it's like I feel like it's the homer in me a little bit. But it's like the Grizz have to show us that they can win it. Because if they play the way they have the last two weeks, UC Davis is going to clean the floor with them. Brent? Yeah, I think the Grizz are going to win. I'll just go with that. Just, How, so I, just so I can rub it in your guys' face next week. What's the route? Give me like the, the Cliff Notes route to winning this game, Brent. Okay, it starts with food poisoning in the hotel the night before. Where are these things? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, I, I don't know. I, I completely agree with you guys, honestly. Davis should win it. They're, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Parlay will tweet at us later in the week of what their what their spread is, but I I just call it just stupid gut feeling. It's funny I come in here with all my stats and numbers and figures and this, but I just kind of get this feeling that if Davis here some young guys setting they've not really played in, there's just some intangibles that I think might help. I feel like this Grizz team can maybe use this bye week to get kind of get back on the same page and we could maybe see like a northern iowa type of game at least the first half plus then some and if we can get that type of effort i think if we see the first half northern iowa grizz that can stretch it over a full game they could beat davis and they could beat most anybody in this conference and so it's maybe i'm just wishful thinking because honestly all the numbers and figures and stats and everything should say that davis should win but i just I don't know. I, I, for, there's this weird little thing in the back of my mind that I kind of like it. I like the greatest chances here. You know, I have all those feelings as well. <laughs> so it's like, I just need to not trust them. I'm yeah. trying to not be a homer. I'm trying to not be a homer. <laughs> Your journalistic integrity yeah. is on the line here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I'm swinging on this, like, trying to compensate for the fact that I'm a Grizz homer. But the way in which they put together... A winning game plan is simply by not shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, like that doesn't require any extra like talent or special game plan. And that's a good point. That just has to do with us holding on to the damn ball and doing the little things right. And I think if we do that, this team has a much different record. We're having a completely different conversation. So part of me really hedges and really wants to pick the Grizz here. I just don't know how much I'm overcompensating for the homer in me. Yeah. Um, I will say that if the Grizz win, it's because they played Cam Humphrey enough to make a difference, and they play a couple true freshmen. How's that? Which um, we probably will see. Yep. So my official pick is UC Davis, but those are the things, like, those are the things I think need to happen for them to win, and I just don't know for sure if Hawks going to do it or not. Ah, tough one. Tune in Saturday to find out. Yeah, should be a should be a good game. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah, Brent, any final uh, bits of wisdom? No, nothing, nothing here. But I'll be more prepared for the the BWR next week too. Well, the whole idea is you can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> all right. It looks like that's it. If uh, we know you, we'll see you sooner. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz! Fight on! Fight on!